back to Digital Podcast. Um, you know, we're back again with another great episode. Um, and of course, you know, we're getting towards the end of the year. Um, we're rounding out 2020. Thank God. You know, I, I feel like, you know, next year might be uh, maybe as bad, but hopefully not as, as, as this year was. And, and again, I hope these episodes and, and this podcast in general are giving you something to focus on during these you know, unsure times. Um, I know there's a lot going on in the world, but hopefully my little slice of the internet is keeping you guys happy uh, as we move forward. Um, this episode is uh, probably unique in the sense that, uh, you know, we've typically talked to artists, um, you know, either 2D or 3D in the games industry. And, uh, you know, I think as, as I've moved forward, you know, we're, we're moving on to our fourth year as the, with the podcast. And, uh, you know, I'm starting to think about how to branch out, maybe, you know, expand our, our thinking or, or the people we talk to. So I thought today was a, a great example and a great opportunity to bring in someone that was uh, slightly different from the type of people we're used to talking to. So hopefully um, you get something out of, out of today's talk. Uh, people who are, you know, of this discipline, I think you'll find the episode really interesting. Um, so if you guys uh, can please help me welcome along today's guest uh mr darren corb hey darren hey how's it going yeah awesome thank you for being uh, on the podcast it's a, it's a great honor yeah my pleasure awesome cool uh so uh so super quick uh for people who don't know you can you just throw out your name and your current job title yeah my name is darren corb and i am the audio director at supergiant games uh so i've worked on yeah i've worked on the audio for bastion transistor pyre and now hades most recently Yes, which is uh, a very awesome game. Congrats on the 1.0. Well, thank you very much. And of course, uh, shipping to Switch and stuff like that. It's a, a big achievement, especially during the pandemic. Um, yeah. We were talking <laughs> previously before the, the kind of the audio rolled, but, you know, I've been following you guys on the no-cut documentaries and, um, you know, the whole Developing Hell series. I think it's been really great to just peel back the curtain and have a look at, you know, how you guys exist. Um, and, uh, and yeah, like, it, I think it's... Uh, it's also awesome just in general how you guys have also came from you know such humble beginnings and uh still humble but of course now you've left a bigger mark on the industry and i think uh it's just great in general what you guys have done with the team i think awesome. it's really awesome so thank you very yeah, much cool. yeah you're more than welcome uh so hades of course now you know i, I think almost every time i'm on twitch it, it, you know there's always somebody just playing the absolute hell out of it <laughs> pun intended but uh but yeah so you guys obviously started you know way back now of course bastian seems like a distant memory i suppose but uh i think uh even before i knew about Supergiant, because i knew about bastian right i knew about the game but i didn't know specifically like the team behind it and how it was developed um but one thing that of course that was always something that i heard about bastian was the soundtrack right that was something that very early on people were talking about you know i think between that and the narrator you know the whole audio cues in that game were something that people were uh very tuned into um you know even if they maybe at some point didn't like the game for whatever reason you know mm. they were always like oh this you know soundtrack's killer and i think it's even like those you know those some of those movies you used to watch back in the 80s where like you know the plot or something you know you didn't really attune to but like the soundtrack caught you right the music it was always um you know, something like even recently, you know, like uh, films like Drive with Ryan Gosling. Mm -hmm. um, some people can't attune it, but like, you know, the soundtrack in that movie is, is stands alone and yeah. one of the best in cinema. Um, so I think it, 
audio, of course, plays, um, you know, one of the biggest parts now because, you know, with a lot of games, um, the audio cues are almost as important as the visual cues. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's been probably something that's been great for you to be part of, right, since since Batson's inception. Yeah, I mean, I, I think my my view on it is maybe a little different um, mm -hmm. in that, you know, I, I think the way that we approach game development is that sort of every piece is sort of co-equal in importance. Yes. If that makes sense. So yes. I think it's just part of it for us, I think, is the way that we look at the process as <clears throat> more of a sort of it's a holistic thing, you know, and every piece is sort of critical to the strength of the entire thing. Yes. Um, and so, you know, what we're trying to do is is make games that are immersive and uh -huh. really kind of spark your imagination and put you in a place. And, and I think every component, every discipline has a sort of equal responsibility to do that. If that makes sense. Yes. I mean, you're probably speaking my exact language, you mm -hmm. know, and again, you know, I'll probably miss things or, or, or miss say, or, you know, throw things that are maybe a bit off cue just because again, like I said, before we started recording that, you know, yeah. it's my first time interviewing someone yeah. who, exists in the audio world but interesting how you say that because when we done the game jam mm -hmm. uh funnily enough we won multiple awards um awesome. and done really well we won like best overall game best of the art all cool, that kind of cool. stuff but when we talked about the three of us when they brought us on stream we did talk about you know extensively how we were each a pillar of the game like yeah. you know without my 3d art without sean's composing and programming without um adrian's level design if any one of those had fallen down at any point you know, the game wouldn't have been, you know, Tomato Mayor wouldn't have been the award winner success it was. Yeah. It would have been, you know, whatever it was going to be. But yeah, like I understand what you're saying. Like, you know, everybody has a part. You know, I, I wasn't even maybe saying like you you stood above. It was more just like, I think when I initially heard about Bassian and Supergiant, you know, yeah. the soundtrack was one of those things that people were talking about. Specifically, like that was one of the key things that, you know, they were taking away from that experience. Yeah, so. for, for sure. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, and the, the love for, for the music and, and the audio in the games has been really uh, awesome and overwhelming. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I feel like some of the things that we've, we've tried to do, you know, gameplay wise or whatever may have been a little more, you know, it's like not, uh, not for everyone necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, or just some more specific uh, we were trying, we were kind of going out on a limb um, with with some of the, the things we've tried um, design-wise, I think. And and I'm really super glad we we did those things. But yeah, I mean, I, I certainly have heard um, people be really kind uh, when talking about the music over the years, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I think it's interesting for me as well, because although, you know, my art is more in, in visual art, um, in my early youth, and of course, all through my 20s, and I mean, still even now, um i was a guitar player you know i was yeah. a singer songwriter yeah. i played drums you yeah. know i've i've messed about with digital stuff as well so you know i have that side of the appreciation um especially a lot especially you know going back to bastian talking about maybe the acoustic side of it mm -hmm. um big acoustic player you know um john waters and that uh john gom a lot of those guys that have uh, are doing interesting stuff with the instrument and uh yeah, like really early on, I think that's maybe something that uh, I also maybe appreciate above the visual stuff is because uh, a good soundtrack can get you different places, especially emotionally. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's always funny watching those 
um, Final Fantasy playthroughs and Kingdom Hearts when you know the music soars up and you know somebody's dying or you know it's like the whole place is crying and the tears are falling and you, the music you know soars to the, the crescendo and like you're oh god and I feel it like so much but then if the music wasn't there right your heart yeah. wouldn't ache as much it wouldn't <laughs> yeah, explode so not, no. it's uh it's always a, a double a double hitter i think you know you've yeah. got the visual cue you know you've got the thing you can see but also the thing you can hear and you feel it i think it's different i've, I've i'm one of the maybe the few people i know that you feel music inside you it really is like it, it hits to your soul because uh yeah. a good soundtrack can do that as you probably know because I've, I've you know you're working in games specifically but you'll yeah. probably take cues from films or you know music composers in general so um yeah is that something that you will find that uh, makes you a more rounded artist you try to look outside of the world of video games a lot yeah for sure i mean i i'd say my main influence on the music i make for games is just albums that i like you know and and not right um not get music made for a specific medium actually is probably like my main uh the the main thing i I like to pull from right and i think the main kinds of things i like to i like to uh can I incorporate into my own work or like production aesthetics right? for the most part, you know, like I'll, I'll listen yep. to an album and think, gosh, I love this moment where the, the way the execution of this moment where, you know, the drums and the, ba- the like kind of distorted bass come in and it has this big, it's incredible feeling of, of like the, the way they executed this moment and not even yep. the musical ideas or anything necessarily, but it's sort of like an arrangement production thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I, and I find that those things, I, I feel pretty, um, okay about trying to sort of reproduce the feeling of that. And it doesn't feel like cheating or copying to me because it's just really, it's just like an aesthetic. It's like trying to paint in a particular style or something is sort of how I see it. So, so, you know, there's specific moments and, and, you know, Oh, that drum sound on this album is really spectacular. And I want to try to incorporate that into my thing and, you know. And, and it's always sort of investigating, like, how would I, with my sort of limited setup, recreate yeah. this, this thing that I like on this record and, and so on. And, and that's the stuff that really, um, that really tickles me mostly. And then of course, you know, I'm, I'm a songwriter at heart and that's sort of my main background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so anytime I'm sort of blown away or impressed by songwriting, I always try to figure out what it is about the way the song moves and the the quality of the lyrics and the way the chords change and everything and sort of what 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 is it that's that's happening that I like so much and try to sort of analyze it and kind of maybe reverse engineer if I want to recreate a you know create that feeling in the music that I'm making yeah i mean it's funny how we talk about you know like the different disciplines but what you're saying is the same language as an artist visual yeah. artist as well yeah. because you, know, you talk about picking from different things you know we constantly sit on stuff like art station or any other medium um i mean you're art, you're art director i mean jen in general like you know a lot of the the artists you have on, on super giant are just inspiring to me yeah. also and i think some of the best people in the industry you know this of course you work with them yeah. um but but like yeah it's uh it's interesting to see you know when you look at stuff and you're like oh how did they paint that tree what brush are they using like how can i incorporate that in my yeah. workflow it's the same thinking, right? Yep. It's the same almost wavelength of like totally things. Yeah, like a hundred percent. It's funny actually how you talk about you know like we're both artists, right? So yeah. the artistic approach in most things is probably the same yeah. across multiple disciplines. But now you know sometimes you'll get into specifics about 
drum sounds or reverb and we'll just talk about contrast or saturation or, you know, it's <laughs> yeah like, yep. it's the same stuff but yeah, yeah you're just so talking different, different tools words. yeah it's just different tools yeah yeah i mean like uh especially when i look at you know jen stuff i mean jen is like yeah. i mean god like there's no words really i mean there, i know so many people who sit and look at her stuff every day and they're like what and jesus man she's yeah so talented she's beyond, incredibly talented yeah really really uh but yeah with music wise yeah like I, I feel what you're saying about you know incorporating and taken from different cues and i mean i think it's more even sometimes i found that when you talk production i, I talk composer sometimes so of course like the, the cliche you know i mean i'm a zimmer fanboy you mm. know i've, I've mm-hmm. loved the guy for a very very long time and everything he's done um but recently you know even looking at guys like uh, uh gustavo you know the guys who've yep. done the soundtrack for last of us yep. um you know it's the way he developed the music for for the last of us of course you know there was a great small documentary they done and, and you know they dived into the, his world and even finding that moment where you know um spoilers uh you know uh you know his daughter dies and he, yeah. that was one of the kind of first things he showed neil yeah. and that moment and you know you, you you can see when he's watching it you know neil's watching it but he you know gustavo is has his eyes closed he's trying to listen just feel yeah. the music and feel yeah. how that and it's it's definitely i think those moments are you know from time to time and i think i feel you know probably because hades is one of the games i played the most out of your collection yeah. and there's definitely those uh moments especially when i feel like he's talking to his dad or there's some moments where he's conversing with gods yeah there's some real storytelling with the music in the background as well as the visual stuff obviously that's going on in the writing yeah. um is this is there something particularly you found production wise that you you brought to the table with hades as opposed to your previous projects i think you know i've learned we've all sort of learned a lot on each of our games Mm -hmm. and we've done a fair bit of experimentation in sort of every direction on on all the games and you know i i think pyre i really learned a lot about interactive music and Mm -hmm. stem based music and uh using sort of sections uh, advancing through sections and, and doing beat markers and all that stuff, which is something that I hadn't really done. I'd done a little bit of the stem based stuff on transistor. Right. But hadn't, um, the level of reactivity was ramped up quite a bit on pyre. So, so I think I came into Hades knowing I wanted, you know, knowing sort of what seemed most effective in pyre that we did with that stuff and sort of, you know, kind of shaving off some of the extra complicated stuff that, that we had maybe diminishing returns in, in terms of the granularity of, of the reactivity of the music. Um, and just tried to find that sweet spot where the music would, you know, it would react to your playthrough in a way with a touch of randomness that, that would help mm-hmm. the, the longevity of the pieces. Cause you know, it's a game that you can play for a hundred or more hours if you want. Yeah. And so how does two and a half mu- hours of music stand up to, to 200 hours of, of playing or whatever, you know, a hundred hours of playing course. So, um, so, so one of the things I was looking for is ways to, um, increase the, uh, increase the perceived variety of music by, by how we play it, by how we play it back. Right. Yeah. And then t- the other thing was to really try to make it feel scored to your particular run and to move with you as you move through the different chambers and everything. And so, you know, kind of however long it takes you or however quickly you do it, it should always feel like it's sort of, you know, just playing exactly what it should for whatever's happening in your playthrough. So trying to fine tune that reactivity and 
and get it to feel, you know, the moment when you hit the mini boss or the boss and getting that transition to feel right where it kicks into the rocking part, you know, and everything and getting that to feel really satisfying and, and, and all that stuff. Um, you know, once we sort of developed the systems for that and figured out what the layout and structure of the game was going to be, um, that, that was the sort of hard part that involved, you know, just trying some, trying a bunch of stuff and kind of seeing what felt right. And then once we had that template, it was, you know, much easier to sort of go and make all of the pieces of music sort of in that format, um, from there. And then as far as, you know, that certainly there are some sort of, a lot of the music is not, uh, character themes. It's sort of place. It's like themes that are more for like a place, you know, like Tartarus, there are sort of several Tartarus pieces of music and several Asphodel pieces of music and so on. And, and, and some of the pieces, um, you know, like the main theme and God of the dead are sort of character story themes, you know, and, and, right. and then of course on the coast and in the blood incorporate, um, another character I don't want to spoil, but, but, um, yeah but are sort of themes for that character and represent that whole thing. Yeah. So, um, and then, and on the coast in particular has a number of stems, um, that, you know, that are sort of implemented a little bit more subtly, but changes, you know, try to enhance the emotion of the different conversations and, and that you're having with that character. And, and, um, you know, when you get back from interacting with that character and talk to Hades again, and there's a particular moment where the, that music's still playing while you're talking to Hades, which doesn't happen a lot. I think you may know what I'm talking about if you've yeah. gotten there. Um, but uh, having the music sort of, you know, play the right section and the right stem at the right time mm-hmm. to sort of enhance the feeling of that moment and and so on. And and all that stuff yeah. was was stuff that I feel like we kind of learned how to do on, on Pyre, mm-hmm. uh, more or less, and then tried to sort of refine uh, the process a little bit. Hades. So is that something that you are actively involved in where it comes to, you know, because there's so much musicality involved, but then to cue that, I'm assuming that takes a level of programming, understanding knowledge that you would have to also incorporate with how the audio interacts from gameplay, you know, moment to moment. Are you heavily involved in that programming side or is that does that more with the game design team and then you're kind of giving them cues on when certain things should play or how STEM should work out or yeah, it's usually, usually I don't script the music, um, but I will set up all of the parameters in the middleware. So in, I use FMOD as the middleware to incorporate the audio into the game and, and, you know, I'll set up the various stems and the parameters that control the stems and I'll set up all the section markers and then the ver- the parameter that will control like how it advances through the sections and, you know, when it gets mm-hmm. to the next downbeat, advance to the next section and so on. Yep. And is so, that, I mean, yeah, no, I was just going to ask quickly, but, but does that mean that, you know, something we were talking about earlier, of course, does that mean that if, if you had a programming, also a kind of programming background or, or knew mm. enough of programming that you could direct that stuff yourself almost? Yeah. I mean, so generally what will happen, I mean, I can, usually the way it works is if there is mm-hmm. uh, somewhere in script, an instance of it happening. I could theoretically go in and copy that instance somewhere else and make it work. Um, but, but to generate it, uh, I'm not, you know, that's, I haven't advanced to that level of scripting yet, but usually, usually Greg Kasabin will script the music and then send it, you know, if there, if there is a specific way, uh, like for example, on the coast, you know, the scripting for that Mm -hmm. took, you know, we iterated on that a lot where he would try some stuff and kind of tailor it to the conversation and I'd go and give some notes. Um, right. and it would change but 
but mm -hmm. the implementation of the other STEM stuff and all the section advancement is stuff that we kind of sat down and looked at together in the studio back, at, you know, way back when we were yeah, uh, yeah, before yeah. we launched into early access. In a studio. <laughs> yeah. When we were in a studio together. Yeah. Now we're all at yeah, home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then is that a thing that uh, you found? I mean, I, I know there was a whole thing of you setting up the sound booth for voice and voice acting and stuff like that. But then have you found that it's been conducive to your, your process or is, is there another effect you've found now that you're all alone in, in essence? Cause you, I mean, like even yeah. within, you know, you had your own space in Supergiant where yeah. you would have worked exclusively to your own speed, but how do you feel lockdown has changed that process? Yeah. I mean, I think certain aspects of the process are harder remotely and certain aspects are sort of unchanged or maybe even slightly more streamlined. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if we were in a pre-production phase of the project when the pandemic happened, it would have been way harder, in my opinion, to really because because right. a lot of that stuff, a lot of the ideas that happened during pre-production and even early production, it's like, hey, you want to go get coffee? Sure. And then you go and you have a walk and talk and you drink some coffee and you're like, you know what I've been thinking about? I just watched this movie and it gave me this, idea, you know, and you just have ideas and you yeah. spit back and forth, you know, and 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 we've I know Greg and I had a lot of those walks and and they're all like a bunch of beats in the game that happened like little moments and stuff that were like oh you know what we should do it'd be so fun if we could pull this off you know yeah and uh and and a lot of it comes out of that but but then at the end of the project when you're just hunkered down and trying to finish everything those conversations are not as important to that process you know it's more like everybody just needs to finish their work and check it in. <laughs> um, yeah. And so being able to sort of work head down from home and honestly, the saving on commute time really uh, helps yeah. at the end of the project uh, when every hour counts, you know, <laughs> I could imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's interesting, I think as well for, you know, my partners found that as well because she uh, works as a software developer in in the main city, Glasgow, you know, not far from where we are. And the the train commute usually in the morning is about you know half an hour forty minutes, but uh, and then they walk to the office. So, but then it's weird now where you know that was even an expense at one point, and now that money's getting saved, and you know the hassle and 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 especially like when I was in LA, I know that some of the traffic I used to get in there, um, you know, on the, on the the five hundred one oh, yeah. or whatever it's called, you know, a lot of the places it's like you're stuck in some of those for hours. So I mean, it definitely is. Uh, it's giving you maybe that time back in the studio, you know, like to be yeah. more creative and, and especially when you get up in the morning, you're not having to really scamper to think about, oh, you know, I need to get ready and get to the office and stuff. You can just maybe grab a coffee, sit down and be like, cool, you yeah. know, where's my project going today? What am I going to implement? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, in essence, you know, you're moving forward now with 1.0 and, and that's kind of, you know, hitting you know you guys are, are are still working on the game you know it's it's mm -hmm. i think it's like you said it's one of these few games now where the game's launched but then you've still got a road ahead you know for the next part it's one of these things where you will be updating the game regularly and you know there's content stuff you know planned out that it's going to be hitting every milestone i mean um i, I would yeah just just to just to be clear i we don't necessarily have that as a plan <laughs> the thing that all oh, right okay interesting the thing yeah. that we're the thing that we're focused on right now is uh -huh. making sure the game is stable and that all the features yeah. go in that we said would go in and we're working on cross saves and stuff and we we're trying to get that right. out and just making sure that you know we don't mess up anybody's save file and and really right testing everything properly and 
and then you know we'll see kind of what's next or if there are other platforms right. we need to bring you know et cetera et cetera so um, yeah, yeah, yeah we we you know we're a really small team and so mm-hmm. um it kind of takes all hands to do a lot of those things even if they're not um you know even if like some of our designers are you know helping with QA and there's all you know stuff is just like it's kind of all hands yeah. cuz the game has been um super incredibly well received and um and it's incredible it's amazing and we've never seen anything like it for any of our games um frankly mm-hmm. but but it also creates like we have to have like 24/7 support <laughs> you know because yeah. we have like <laughs> thousands and thousands of people playing all the time all over the world um yeah, yeah. so um so that you know that that certainly i i know for for some of the support yeah. and, and engineers has been mm-hmm. has been a, a trial by fire you know it's been a real <laughs> yeah it's been hell yeah i'm gonna see how many times i can mention that through yeah, the podcast yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but, but i think it was yeah. Uh, yeah i think what i was originally saying though was more yeah. more like i know you're not planning like maybe big content drops mm-hmm. but what i was kind of saying was that you know you're planning to to stay with the game for yeah, the post release we plan to support it you know on all the platforms that 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 it's it's that it's on and, and it's going to be on you know yeah i mean in essence i think it's interesting as well how a lot of the the original concepts for how you built games was based off a lot of the the old xbox live architecture um that was interesting because you know of course when you made the switch to <laughs> pun again to, to move to nintendo's platform yeah. um that was something of course you had to incorporate because you had to you know have a whole entel- entire engine change yes. and making sure that was stable and of course audio issues with that and uh it's always something you notice really early on. If if there is something going wrong with your game, you hear the glitchy audio. It's always like, oh god, what's happening? Yeah, stuff's not nothing's queuing, or the voices, the, you know, the voice stuff's off, or people aren't speaking at the right points. And yeah. um, so yeah, that's that's got to be like a nightmare, like you said, because there's only um, how big is the team right now? I think we're like 19 full time people or something. Oh, wow, that's 18? a small team for. I mean, for 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 the reach you guys have, you know, like the 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 size of your games you know i mean you'd think it was a team of like you know 100 people or something you know but (laughs) it's only like less than 20 you know you can really say at this point and it's it's uh it must be i suppose overwhelming but then again this isn't the first game you've made so like you know you've got an idea right of how you work together yeah for sure i mean um i think part of the thing that's allowed us to make such a big game is the fact that we've done a bunch of games together now this is our fourth and we've increased our efficiency uh with each project and and the people you know we were 12 people on transistor and pyre pretty much and we staffed up in really kind of tactical ways to really maximize our efficiency as a team i think and the people we've added are have been so incredible and so amazingly talented and done just remarkable work and really you know, we couldn't have done Hades the way we did it without the people that we we added to the team. So, um, you know, the sort of the efficiency and experience of the people who've been on the team the whole time, plus this incredible talent and and the efficiency and, you know, incredible skill that the new people bring. I mean, it's really the combo of that stuff, I think, really helped us yeah. execute yeah. what we were trying to do for Hades, for sure. But, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it, I think, it is yeah. a ton of work. I mean, it's a ton of stuff, but but it's not, it's always just what's the next thing, you know? I mean, for me, yeah. at least it's just you're like, you're not like running about the studio with like, you know, like you're putting out fires constantly, yeah. you know, no, yeah. screaming and oh my God, what's happening. And yeah. Um, 
yeah, yeah, you've, you've kind of got your head in a swivel. I mean, there probably will be times where, um, you know, things might jump out of whack or, you know, you're like, oh, God, what's happening? But yeah. in general, you know, you're quite like, nah, we got this. Like, we've, we understand our team's capacity for making games now and we're not going to push beyond those limits unless we feel we need to. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting how I think that, you know, everything's came together in, like, you know, the last couple of months and especially because, I mean, it, it, it was super interesting as well, right, because you were pushing 1.0 when you were in lockdown. You know, that was yep. something that was coming thick and fast and, you know, you wanted to stick to that date. You wanted to make sure, yeah. you know, you had all your, your ducks in line. Um, and again, like, was that something else that was a, a challenge within lockdown? Was that something that particular was, was you know, in the back of your mind when, when lockdown happened? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, we we realized not too far into lockdown that we were probably still going to be in lockdown when the game came out. Um, mm. Just like, well, this isn't going to go away soon. <laughs> we started yeah. to realize. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was certainly, um, it was an additional problem right. to solve and an, mm. an additional thing to look out for. But I think, you know, we, some aspects of the finaling of the project maybe were a little bit easier when everybody's at home, just, just everybody having like those extra couple of hours instead of commuting, you know, that, that I think makes a difference and everybody, you know, mm-hmm. I think that there were, there were sort of pros and cons. I mean, obviously part of, you know, finishing a project and being able to physically be with everybody in the studio on launch day is something that's really mm-hmm. awesome, you know, or, yeah. or being able to have a launch party in person, for example, and all that. So, you know, the, the sort of celebrations are the things that, that are, are the most, um, the biggest bummer that we couldn't do together. Um, but, uh, but, but I I think as daunting as that idea is of launching the game in quarantine, we all sort of made peace with it. I think pretty early during the quarantine process, we're like, all right, well, we're doing this, I guess, you know, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely been interesting to see even the fact that, you know, like, you know, PS5 and Xbox series X just dropped, you know, those happened in, in a lockdown but then in essence that's probably a good thing as well because you know with lockdown people are playing a lot more games yeah. they're watching a lot more movies yeah so it's funny how now you feel like um i know certain sectors of the entertainment industry film especially right yeah has been affected yep you know post-covid but it seems like the game industry is thriving more you know yeah. um yeah, I mean, because of just the, the demand for it right i yeah i can't tell it's sort of anecdotal right it's like i don't have any data to back yeah. back up that claim myself but but yeah, it yeah, seems yeah. it seems like that's the case and and it certainly um i think part of the the fact that game production is able to continue basically unhindered without people being in the same space um is the the sort of advantage we have over you know sort of films and things that with live with, with actors and a bunch of crew and you know, I mean, I, I know animation is still happening, uh, sort of un, unabated, uh, similarly, just because it's a, it's a kind of thing where people can do the work from their computer, from their house yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, like even the whole, you know, the whole vocal booth situation and stuff like that. I mean, that was built in necessity, right? You had to not only facilitate the booth in your home, but then, you know, build it and get it set up and, yeah. you know, it, was that a case also that, you know, you were having sessions there where people were coming over to the booth and, you know, you're having to record them in your home and 
um, was that part and parcel of the, the lockdown process also or so what we did so so before lockdown we had some actors that would come into the studio uh, into the office to record their parts um, yep. but when lockdown happened we decided that like it just wasn't worth it, any sort of risk to have anybody come in anywhere so we um sent all the actors who were coming in we sent them all sort of microphones um and i and had them set up do like a, a setup in their apartment or house or whatever and um and we just i just recorded them that way um so yeah i mean it was a uh, we kind of yoloed that together and and yeah. <laughs> figured it out pretty <laughs> fast um and maybe if i had to do it again i'd sort of spend a little more time making sure everybody had like a perfect match for the equipment that we used in the office or whatever you know just because right but but it, you know i'm using like outboard gear and kind of an expensive or you know a rate like a like a nice condenser mic not a, you know not anything too fancy but right. certainly we can't like buy everybody those um yeah but, but we could maybe have sent you know, it's just like I'd have to it would just be a lot more involved to make a process of like sending them stuff and then bringing it back, sending them stuff, like teaching out. them how to set it all up specifically, yeah. you know, then sending it back. Yeah. Finding a spot like treating their house somehow, you know, I that that's, yeah. that's all a more elaborate thing than we were prepared to do. So I just we ended up just sending everybody a US, USB mics. Um, yeah, we sent them all like blue snowballs and, you know, right. Yeah. And pop yeah. filter, yeah, and I've a, got, pop filter and a mic stand I mean, the, and. Yeah, I was going to say the blues. Typically, I've got the the Yeti, the yeah. kind of hundred dollar version, yeah. but like uh, they're definitely for you know the the lower end, maybe even mid tier. You know, they're they're definitely capable mics. You know, yeah. oh yeah, they're not they're not not cheap and they're not overly expensive. So no, and um, I mean Logan recorded all of Pyre with a snowball. Um, you know, and and right. and uh, he sounds awesome in that game, and and mm -hmm. I think it really the, the only issue was that. Uh, I had started recording some of the characters with a different setup. That's the only qualm I had about them using snowballs. You know, it was just that it was just going to not sound the same as some of the other stuff they recorded. So I had to do some kind of fanciness in post production to try to match it a little better, right? If that makes sense. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But but that was my only worry. I mean, I'm totally cool with sending everybody <laughs> snowballs or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's fine. Yeah, whatever needs. I mean, because. It's just the uh, the adaption of the conditions we live in now, right? And having to do things. I mean, it's funny how I think a lot of the industry, when lockdown happened, for a lot of the guys I knew who were freelancers or worked at outsourcing studios um, versus, you know, working in a studio, a lot of those guys were like, well, this is just another day for me. This is just, yeah. I've been like this for so long. It's, yeah. it's This is normal to me. Yeah. So, yeah, like the people who were obviously, you know, out and about all the time or had very active lives or jobs, that was, they were the people that were the hardest hit, right? Was the yeah, people who absolutely. had to make the biggest adjustments. So, yeah. So then, I suppose looking back, you know, when you look at, you know, I guess we'll say your legacy, although you're you're very far off from thinking about, you know, the, the end times, but but also, you know, because you've, you've came a long way since Sebastian, you know, and even though it's only maybe been not as many years, I, I think it maybe feels like that sometimes when you've worked in these projects for so long. Yeah. But if you were looking back now, you know, because we tend to do that even with with concept artists, right? When we have them on the show, we try to say like, look, there's students out there who maybe want to fill your shoes one day or, you know, who want to, you know, enter the world you're in, you know, what's the kind of things you think now having had this career that you've had, you would look back and think, I wish I had done or thought of that, you know, or, or 
took that road. Um, no regrets, obviously, but you know maybe things that you would have pointed out to other people who were trying to follow. I think my my you know my take on that stuff is is what are some of the things that have really helped me when when I learned mm-hmm. them? You know, is sort of my yeah. way I approach that question because for me it's like. W- I'm I'm happy with where things have led and I'm happy with the road <laughs> to get here. Yeah. Um, of course. So I think it's for me it's more yeah, what is what are some of the things that were really helpful to me and and have that I've used um and yeah. leaned heavily on, you know, and I I think for me uh music production and audio production and having a really like a strong audio engineering understanding and background has been super super helpful for me. Yep. Um because with that, it's sort of allowed me to to experiment and figure out how to do things that I didn't know how to do necessarily, but but I had the tools to do them uh, because I understood, you know, just the audio engineering and, and production and how to how to try to make stuff sound good. Um, yep. And 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 I had the tools to sort of experiment and figure that out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I think I would say like getting really comfortable with a DAW, you know, getting getting some audio production, uh, music production, audio engineering chops would be really useful to somebody trying to get in, um, mm-hmm. to, to just about any aspect of, of audio, um, game, mm-hmm. game audio. Yeah. I think having an understanding of middleware is something that I, I'm still like, I, I only really developed like a couple of projects in, you know, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Transistor was the first, like, like on Bastion, we use this sort of free tool that, that doesn't exist mm-hmm. anymore. That wasn't very capable. And I didn't understand how it worked. And the engineers just had to kind of help me. <laughs> um, and I sort of had a basic understanding of like, okay, you set up a queue and you can instance limit it and you can put a little pitch variance on it and you can do this other stuff, but, mm-hmm. but, but it was really basic. And then, um, we switched to F mod for transistor. And then in the middle of that project switched to the new F mod, which is kind of looks like a DAW. It's called F mod studio. And, right. um, and that is when I really started to try to explore the capabilities of the DAW and, and ways, uh, explore sort of creative ways of implementing audio. Cause I had the tools to do right. it at that point. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where, you know, it's a, it's a software that you can download and experiment with for free. You only have to pay money, I think, if you're going to ship a game with it. <clears throat> right. So, uh, you know, I would recommend getting familiar with some type of middleware, w- whether it's Wise or, uh, you know, even in Unity, they have some integration tools or, or mm-hmm. you know, FMOD, just kind of experimenting with that and just playing with tools and, and, and the tools that are there and seeing how uh, you can use them to to execute on you know execute on ideas that you might have, right? Um, so, so I mean, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, is that also you? Do you feel like um, I know you in particular play a range of music and mm-hmm. musical instruments. Do you feel like that musicality is also key to being creative in your field? I think for me it is. I mean, I I know there are some people who, you know, who compose music for games and aren't don't intend to be be the performers of any of that music ultimately or or right, just yeah. programming midi or just writing mm-hmm. for people to you know or writing scores for people to perform so right. there are a bunch of ways to do it i mean i know f- for me my ability to play stuff has been critical because i'm the only 
performer on most of these songs, um, most of this music right. in the games. I mean, with a couple exceptions in Hades, and then of course Ashley Barrett, who lends her vocals to a lot of the tunes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's just me, and and a lot of what I am doing is uh, dependent upon my ability to either play it or find some sort of equivalent sample or loop or something that that can mm-hmm. execute the idea that I have. Um, but that's been my approach from the beginning actually is, you know, what can I execute by myself in my studio, like in my little project studio that I have? Um, yeah. and that was, you know, that's been a question on every project and, and the answer has changed a little bit. Like I'm feel more capable, capable of doing more things now because of the tools or because of my experience or because of whatever. Um, yeah. Than I did when I started on Bastion, but, uh, you know, my production, you know, my sort of, I've have 10 more years of production experience, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, but really the, the answer, it's always, the music is always partially at least dictated by what can I pull off, you know, personally. Um, and what, Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to always expand, uh, expand my comfort zone as much as I can. Um, Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, there's, there's a bit of trying to push myself out outside of what I know I can execute at the outside of a project. <laughs> yeah, of course. But it, well, I mean, that's, it's, it, it's the same with most artistic integrities, you know, you always want to be, remember David Bowie yeah. in an interview yeah. years and years ago, always said that, you know, you, you want to be walking out and, you know, treading water so that your feet are just touching the ground. Mm-hmm. And he always feels like that's where you do your best work, yep. you know? where you're just a Absolutely. little bit uncomfortable. So I think, you know, I mean, the guy for me was a visionary. He was, he was oh, yeah. so far ahead of his time. Absolutely. Uh, I remember even watching an interview years ago where, uh, you know, he was talking about how the internet would influence people. Absolutely. And, like, it was like so in 1997 or something, 99. Yeah. And he was talking Crazy. about, and he was like exactly predicted what happened with the internet. <laughs> and the guy. Yeah, how we would consume media yeah. and everything. Yeah. And It's great. And yeah. the guy, the interviewer was just like, but isn't it just like mail? And he's like, no, it's not like mail. <laughs> not like a library of course but then when you're so involved in the world and i think you have a really uh unique perspective and artistic intake on how you look at the world you can see two or three years ahead right you can see how the world's maybe going to change or or swerve or move and um i think it's the human condition and also the artistic condition where you almost know too much right and then you can see the world for what it is um and you have to almost recoil into that to to do work but then come back out of it and try and save yourself because you know i think especially uh lockdown has been one of these things where crisis mode has been on our brains for so long and we're kind of not built to be in crisis mode for so long and yeah you know mental health is suffering and and, you know it it was funny again looking back on danny's documentary with no clip and talking about you know when he talked to amir and greg and he was like how is everybody and even greg was honestly like you know, I couldn't, I couldn't honestly tell you because yeah. most people are, are saying like, you know, we're fine and stuff, but yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not with them day to day. So I don't know how they're dealing with what's going on. And yeah. it's got to be challenging, obviously, you know, cause we're not used to it, but, um, um, it was almost like, you know, when developing hell was the title that he chose for it, honestly, it was clever because, you know, of what the game was involved in. But then yeah. of course COVID hits and it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you couldn't have picked a better title really looking back <laughs> yeah. at it. Um, 
even the fact that you know, I, actually, I was one of Danny's backers on the the summer jam. Yeah. You done, you know, with the lanyards. I, I bought one of those really early on. I'm actually, I'm desperate to get Danny on the podcast and yeah. talk to him um, because he's just such a an awesome dude. But um, I remember doing the 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 video for that. It was like the backdrop when the fires were happening. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god! Like it's just like yeah. I mean, somebody <laughs> somebody done this animation really early on. I think it was like a you know those like stupid tune things where it's like they've drawn like two lines to animate it, but it's basically like how twenty twenty goes. Yeah. And it's just like rockets everywhere and people flying across the globe and viruses and explosions and fire. And oh, I was like, oh my god! It's like the the meme where the little dogs like you know this is fine, yes, this is everything's fine. Yeah. on fire yeah. behind them. Oh, it's you know, it's 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 a fun time to be an artist. In fact, you know, and it's funny as well because people talked about it really early on where, you know, because people were inside, a lot of guys were saying, you know, you really have to have an appreciation for artists because the movies you're watching, the games you're playing, the music you're listening to, while you're in times of isolation, those are things that are produced by artists, yeah. and you have to understand that that's you know, without that, where would we be? You know, especially even just looking at television with Netflix and stuff yeah. like how people have, who would have coped without, you know, the on-demand stuff is beyond me, you know? So it's, it's crazy where uh, we look at the world now and, and what it's came to, but um, you know, you just keep going, you just keep pushing. And of course now, you know, you guys are still, you know, pushing away at the game and, and, ho and hoping for the best. But, um, but you guys, of course, uh, I, I take it, you don't feel like, you're going to be back in the office anytime soon, right? That's going to, no. that's still like a ways, a ways off like next year sometime. I mean, I, we're, we are going to be overly cautious for sure. Going back. I mean, we, yeah. we just, for us, there's just, unless it's totally safe, there's no reason to go back. Um, basically. Right. And, and maybe there, yeah. there is for one or two individuals or something. And that would be fine. If, right. If one person was in the office by themselves, it would be fine. But, right. But, um, but basically, I just think resuming our regular office life, it's just, there's no reason to do it until it's totally safe. Um, yeah. Because the risk is is too high and, and everybody yeah. everybody is too important, you know, to the process and, and we care about yep. the, all the, the health of everybody here. Of so course. it's just the any any amount of risk is too much <laughs> for us basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. you don't want to you want to put people's lives at risk yeah just to get you know at to, the end of the day it's i mean it, it's just a game you know saying that with all the love i have for super giant and hades but then a video game cannot replace people's lives as completely different and yeah. you know i think it's, it's and i think the way i've always looked at super giant for even most indie studios but particularly you guys is that amir and greg have always tried to look at you know Maybe early on, super early on with Bassian and stuff because it was your first proving ground. A lot of you guys weren't sleeping or yeah. maybe doing some extra hours because, you know, it was, it was your livelihoods. But now I feel like they're trying to more than ever say, like, look, if you want to stay at home and don't come into the office, it's fine. Or, you know, if you need to take a day, totally fine. Um, yeah. I think overwork is, is definitely the death of a lot of people in this industry. I For feel sure. like, yeah. you know, I mean, recently, you know, not to cast a, a dark cloud over the podcast, <laughs> but I just watched Danny's, again, Danny's documentary on Astroneer. Mm -hmm. Paul, of course, I knew his work really early on. And uh, when he passed, that was a huge loss to the whole industry because yeah. I was very involved in concept art early on and uh, I knew his name and, and what he was doing. And, and um, you know, the, the, the cause of death I don't think ever came out but I know those guys were of course pushing themselves because you know they were trying to make something incredible and I feel now more than ever like we really need to uh, take people's health 
more in consideration with this yeah. industry yeah, um for sure like it's de- definitely a big thing so so i mean but then yeah so moving forward with the team i mean you obviously can't talk about what's next and stuff like that that's you know that's that's the typical thing with a lot of these things you know yep. you get a lot of big artists and then you're always you, you can't look at you can't really look forward a lot of the times because no. you know a lot of that stuff is so unknown and, and that stuff but but looking back i mean is there anything you think that you might have done differently or something that you feel like um there was a road you didn't travel down that you, you maybe wanted to try at one point even outside of audio like just with the team in general do you feel like there's there's anything you've looked back on over these years and making games and thought that um, there was something else you could have maybe tried? Honestly, you know, I, I don't really, it's funny cause I, I don't really see stuff that way. Generally, like when I look back um, at the efforts I've put forward, you know, for the game audio for these games, I, it, it, I, I, I've done my very best at, at the time, every time, Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and kind of given it my all. Uh, yep. to the full capacity of what I am capable of at that moment in time. And, and yep. it's like, I think the the decisions that I made, you know, I don't know that I'd go back and change them retroactively just because it sort of wouldn't be representative of, of me at that time anymore. And, and, and the work that I, right. that I did. So, um, yeah, <clears throat> I have kind of like a, an attitude of, you know, once it's out there, it's not mine anymore. Kind of. Right. You know, yeah. so, so I don't really have the right to go, <laughs> go back and change anything. You know, I don't want to, I don't want a Star Wars special edition, uh, you know, the, no, of the course. My, <laughs> yeah. add, add a seat yeah, me yeah. job of the hut or whatever, you know, to, to, yeah, yeah. It's almost like, uh, I think with most artists, you get to that point where you're done, but then you feel like you're never done. Right. Yeah. There's always something you can change, yeah. something you can master, something you can re record. Yeah. But then I think the good thing about deadlines in this industry is eventually you have to be like, it's done. Yeah. It's out of my hands. It's now in the, the hands of the players. They're the guys that are going to see if this game lives or dies. Yeah. And um, I think it was interesting as well when Greg was talking about, you know, like the the early access reviews um, were super positive, right? And then even all the way through, you know, that they stayed positive. They didn't tank. They didn't, yeah. you know, uh, fall through. So um which is of course you know he, like he says even then like it's it's super rare right you don't see that with early access yeah. stuff or or things that take a while to come out it's usually the complete opposite so um I, it's always funny when i use the word lucky because i don't think it's luck right it, it's not that like you know the the dice have rolled and they've managed to land on a seven you know it's not like you know you're you're throwing dice and you're everything is as planned everything is purposefully placed there so it is the hard work and the dedication for the team that's got you to this point. And uh, I don't think you could have looked at it any other way. You know, like you say, you couldn't really go back and change anything because at the time you'd made the decision and that's what you had to live with. So I think it's, it's very interesting to see now looking back at all the the games you've made, you know, we've even maybe only focused on maybe two of the games you've made, Mm -hmm. you know, really when we talked about different soundtracks and stuff, um, like you're ideally the first game you made, the latest game you shipped. Um, but then, of course, you know, like you say, through Pyre, through Transistor, there was also things you were doing and, and deciding that changed the outcome of that game and made it what it was. So I think it's almost like you can't live with those regrets thinking forever that you could have done something differently because it would just it would haunt you forever. Yeah. And you've got to just make your peace with with putting something out into the world and, and uh, hoping people like it, right? For sure. And I mean, you know, to just to, to address the thing about, about luck, you know, a little bit, I mean, mm-hmm. for me, I, I, I see... 
I I certainly see, you know, the the game itself is what you know what we make of it, and 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 the sum of the work of the individuals involved. But yeah, <clears throat> the response is, you know, often you know we feel like it's a thing that's just kind of there's a lot of factors involved in in whether or not it's the right game for this moment in time and that people, you know, and then it sort of it manages to rise above the noise of this really crowded industry and all this other stuff. So, you know, yeah. we certainly, I mean, I certainly believe that there's a, an elements of the star, an element of the stars aligning whenever that goes right. Um, yeah. So it, that's, I think that's sort of what Greg means when he's t- say, saying, mm-hmm. talking about luck, you know, or, and that's what I, mm-hmm. at least that's, that's sort of how I, I understand it is, it's just yeah. there's a lot of stuff that has to line up just right for yeah for for a game to be a big success and mm-hmm. and for people to respond particularly well to something and and um and it's certainly we we try not to take any of that stuff for granted it's not it's not mm-hmm. just a matter of us doing our thing it's also a matter of the sort of world you know and at large and, and yeah. people wanting that thing at a particular moment in time and and all that yeah. stuff so um so yeah, we we uh, we tend to, n- you know, not take any of that stuff for granted for sure. Yeah, definitely. I feel like it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, even I experienced it on a, a, a very amateur, very small scale when we pushed out that game in four days, and you know, we we tried to, you know, cross the t's and dot the i's mm-hmm. and, and look at every other angle about how people would interact with it and how they would look at the audio and. But then, you know, the biggest response we got was when we put it out into the world and people were then reviewing it and, uh, you know, leaving the great comments and it was getting voted up and up and up and, you know, it was exploding. You know, we didn't expect it, you know, but then we knew really early on when we finished it that we had something special. And like you said, the pillars aligned and everybody who was involved on their part and then uh, uh, something magical happened that... um, it's almost like the perfect storm, right? You can't yep. plan for it, yep. but then when enough good elements come together, the lightning strike happens, and and there's there's the the effect, there's the the smoldering amber that's left in the world that yeah. people look at. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, like, I, I think that's a great place to leave it, uh, Darren. I think you know we've covered a lot. Uh, it, you know, the, I think with a lot of these interviews, there were flies in, right? It, just that you talk about so many different aspects sure. of your career and things you've done and you know but i think um we might try even at one point to get you back on or um of course if you can recommend people you also think would be great sure. uh, that would be awesome yeah. and um you know once again just to thank you for coming on and giving up your time um, i know how you guys are probably uh knee deep in it at the moment you know trying to get uh stuff finished or, or, or polished at this point um so every minute counts but it's always great to have uh and again you know because you're you are the first on Digital Artcast, uh, the first audio di- uh, director that we've had on, you know, um, for a game. And I think it's, uh, although I think at points I thought it was going to be uh, difficult for me to converse because, you know, it, the disciplines inherently, I think, were different. You know, we have found a, a common ground. Yeah, you know? for sure. Um, so, yeah. So um, have you enjoyed it? Have you? Yeah, have for, you, yeah absolutely. Thank, yeah. thank you for having me. Yeah, so it's a nice. No, of course. Nice. It's always, you know, it's nice to talk about this stuff. <clears throat> after yeah, of course. It, toiling away silently for for a minute you know <laughs> always, yeah yeah i think it's just the it's the development bubble right because yeah. you always feel like you're doing great stuff but then you're just not sure because you're only hearing it you know and 
the world doesn't get to experience it yet but then you know the feedback loop is always is the thing that's most interesting but yeah i definitely i came onto this as a fan as well of your work and of the team's work so you know your game is always it's always great to hear that people enjoy what you do um it does give you that motivation to push forward and keep doing what you're doing so um i think it's great to, to check in once again uh now and uh, or now and again everything with the fans and with people that uh that want to talk about the game because it, it does it does give you a checkpoint to think about where you are uh right now and, and where you're going so yeah, it's been great. Uh, if you guys have stuck about to the end, um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave uh, Darren's socials uh, down below. You can probably get in touch with him um, if you have any questions or want any feedback. Um, I'm sure he, he's open to that, you know, speaking to people um, um, as long as you guys are polite, of course, as always, you know, courteous and <laughs> make sure you're, you're being a decent human being. Uh, that's always the key. Um, but yeah, but we're going to try and get more people on uh, of Darren's ilk and, and, you know, try and uh, expand our reach uh, and knowledge pool. I think uh, some of the greatest uh, growths we have in this industry as not only artists but human beings come from when we reach outside of our own circles. So I think it will be great to, to get different people on. Um, if you're listening to us on any podcast service we have a kind of main body of work on YouTube where we upload videos as well um, but yeah you can find us on uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify iTunes, all the usual stuff and uh, and yeah nearly 3k followers so uh, so yeah looking good, we also have a Discord if you guys want to get involved and want any feedback and want to speak to other students, I think we have about 150 people on there just now and some great guys who you know display and, and show art off and talk about different tools and, and mindsets and workflows so um, yeah check it out guys make sure you, you hit us up um, and then yeah just finally just again my thanks to Darren for coming on um, for you guys for listening and uh, we'll see you in the next episode okay bye guys some death.